Stacy was supposed to be our fearless leader tonight, but her husband has COVID, so she's in quarantine right now. So it's my joy to do the final installment of songs tonight with you guys. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I haven't heard that. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I'll open this up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the time we've had over these last 10 weeks where we can immerse ourselves in the study of, in your word, in particular, these Psalms of David. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to recall all that we've learned over and over again through our lives. That is such a bond to our souls, Lord, to remember who you are more than anything, how worshipful um, these psalms have been, praising you and magnifying you and glorifying you. And I just pray that that would be just a always present in our lives every day and Lord as we embark on our own studies with our own groups I pray that one that you would use this last week to bring any women um, that you um, want to be in these studies that you would place these women in the in the group that you have planned for them I pray that you would bless each of the leaders Fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Give them the words to say, to meet the individual needs of each group, Lord. We know that we cannot do that in any way, shape, or form. We are inadequate in so many ways, on so many levels, but you, Lord, are not inadequate in any way. You are all-powerful and all-knowing and good and loving and merciful and gracious and so, Lord, we pray for wisdom because we know when we ask, you will give abundantly. So we pray for the wisdom we need to lead our groups. We pray for your blessing upon them. We pray for the health and well-being of those who are not with us tonight and that you would just bring healing to those who are, who are out. And we pray, Lord, that in the midst of all this craziness that's still going on in the world, that um, you would enable us to, to be able to meet together and um, just continue our fellowship and our study of your word. We thank you for all that you do. We just pray that you bless our time tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we started this week by reading... 1 Kings 2, 1 through 4. So we started our study way, way back in week 2 by bringing David into the picture as a young boy being anointed as king, the shepherd boy. And here we're ending in 1 Kings 2. And what's happening in this scripture? Passage that we read. He is about to pass. So we go from David from the beginning all the way to the end. And I hope it's blessed you guys as much as it's blessed me. Um, so what's happening here as he is coming to the end of his life? He's giving his final words and instructions, commands to his son Solomon. 
What are some of those things he wanted to remind Solomon about? Be strong and be a man. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. By keeping God's statutes, commandments, and rules. Right, because the world might have a different idea of what <laughs> that means, right? <laughs> so he tells us what that really means. Um, this is probably a scripture, I would guess. I haven't been to any men's conferences, but I, they probably use this one here, right? So, yes, keep the charge of the Lord. Walk in his ways. Keep his statutes um, with all of his heart and soul. So as I was reading that, I was thinking, well, what would I say, you know, to my kids if it was my time and I had just a few moments left to share with them? What would I say? What did, what did you guys think about that? Did had you had thoughts on that? I put down to love the Lord, love his word, enjoy him, mm -hmm. and always rely on him to lead you. Mm. It's encouraging that he still said it, what he said when he didn't do it. You know, <laughs> you know because you know, I, I want my kids to do what I say and not always what I do. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know? But we can still have that confidence in Christ that we can still command even when we've messed up. So that, that was encouraging to me. If I only had a few seconds, I would make it real quick and just say stick with God yes. and endure to the end. I like how it ends, Ecclesiastes ends. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty. But spend time with Jesus every day, meditating on his word and pursuing him with your whole heart, not the things of this world that we'll want to draw. Um, yeah, I think we're all, we basically all have the same just the same heart that uh, David had that for his generations after him is what the same that we have today. Um, just pursue God. Love God. Love him. Um, okay. So would one of you read Psalm 19 for us this evening? Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, there are no words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words go to the end of the world. In him, in, in them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, 
By them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let, not, let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So what are the themes that we're seeing here in this psalm? Shows different ways that creation is declaring the glory of the Lord. That's verbal words, like besides declare, like yeah. speech and proclaim and voice and words, you know, like it's audible in a way, even though they aren't using language words. I call them noise words. Noise words. <laughs> <laughs> I read a note that said it's kind this psalm is kind of split up one through six is the world how it reveals God and then the last part is the word how it reveals God yeah I split it up into three just like you said how nature reveals God's glory how the word reveals God's glory and our humble response to that so I added like a little third section to that okay where did, where did you stop that um, verse 12 starts that third, um, like, you know, yeah, anyways, yeah, we'll get to that, but. All right, so what do we learn about our great Lord and Savior from this passage? There's only, there's two different words used to describe God. It starts in one through six with Elohim, creator, power. And then in seven, it starts with Lord or Jehovah. His covenant name, his personal name. And so we see two distinct characteristics of God. It's interesting, you could see the big one in creation, but the personal, that covenant through the word. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, if, if you just read it, like the other Psalms that we read, right, would say God is glorious, God is loving, God's steadfast love, his faithfulness, all these words describing, directly describing God. And this one doesn't do that except for his names. But then I thought it does describe his word. And can we really separate the Lord from his word? So those attributes of the word are really attributes of the creator, the writer, the the word. He was he is the word. The word is him. So so you can kind of view it that way too. I thought for the first part about the world, um, it revealed how consistent he is. Mm-hmm. And infinite order. Oh, God. 
that, but as I'm thinking, like, yeah, but you got to add the word. You got to say the word of God. Don't just love God because you can make up who you think God is. So as he's revealed in the word, so it has to be together. No way you say yet. It can't be separated. So I would say follow truth. And where is it found? Um, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. So the truth of God's word in First John says, if you love me, you will obey me. So are you obeying his word? His word? love God by obeying his word, walking in his precepts. So, you know, that's, that's the part that I would So you have a little more breath on your dying bed. <laughs> You're gonna, God's going to give you a lot of... No, I'm just joking. That's, I agree. I had, I, I had that as part of my uh, meditating on his word. Yes. I totally agree with you. Because, you know, everybody loves God. Right. Yeah. Who the true God is. Yep, I agree. So Romans 1, 18 through 20 says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. And we, we definitely um, touched on that one last week as well. So we're revisiting it here because they, they do def, you know, go together a lot. Um, so that passage along with Psalm 19, 1 through 6, what's the main purpose for the splendor of creation? I wrote to declare there is a creator mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to reveal God and his glory. So what does sky and creation in general reveal about the creator? If that's the purpose of it, what does it reveal to us about him? And this, you know, this isn't directly, although, I mean, it tells us, but when you think about it, like to the person who does not have the word of God, what can creation reveal about God? Proofs of existence. Mm-hmm. It has to, if someone does not have the word of God, it has to show them that there's some higher being that's mm-hmm. capable of doing things that they know they can't. I mean, that would be like a basic, I think, for someone who doesn't have the word of God. Because mm-hmm. they know in themselves, I could never make the sky that beautiful mm-hmm. or I could never mm-hmm. put the stars in the sky mm-hmm. yeah Romans says um, it reveals that the divine nature has been clearly perceived so yeah there's obviously there's a divine nature involved here so his wisdom and his knowledge it's not mm-hmm. just like a divine force or some kind of nebulous thing out there it's like mm-hmm. it's clearly somebody with intellect um to put together the world as he has. 
it's so clear to us, but it's really not clear, even though it's so clear. <laughs> I, I mean, I thought, I think, I mean, God's just awesome, right? Because, you know, he didn't just create this finite, finite world, right? But he, he created a universe that no matter how much we try to get to the ends of it, we see there's just more and more and more. No matter how big and powerful our telescopes are, we just cannot get mm-hmm. to the end. And then he did it the opposite way, too. Like, we think, oh, we found the cell. We got it. Oh, no, there's protons and neutrons and electrons. Oh, but wait, there's, I mean, we can't get to the end of it the other way. Every time we think we get to the end of it, of the smallness and the, there's more. I mean, like, there's a whole universe with inside our bodies, and we can't get to the end of it. And I'm like, he just was like, you know, like, you are never going to understand the vastness of who I am. And I'm showing you that with creation. So just get your head around the fact that you will never get your head around it. Is I, I mean, I think he's using creation to show us how big he is. That's how I got saved, too, in college, is studying the human body and dissecting it and saying, Oh, at the same time, I was reading the book of John, and I could say, I see who you are, and I can forget all the evolutionary stuff that I memorized in biology the year, the semester before. I know that you're a guy. Some people do that with space, but I did it with the human body. Mm-hmm. Like, that was that too far. I could never do light years and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the human body, I could kind of, like, get my hands on and see the intricacies and the mm-hmm. consistence and the plan, the design. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. yeah. He's, he's awesome. He a sermon by John Piper where, I can't remember exactly what he's talking about, but um, he basically says, like, nobody goes to the Grand Canyon to, like, feel how great or how powerful they are. Like you go to the Grand mm-hmm. Canyon to behold something mm-hmm. bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, his point was like creation, like the heavens or these marvelous things we see in creation. Like it obviously, like we want to know that there is something mm-hmm. bigger and mm-hmm. so awesome um, beyond ourselves. Mm-hmm. I like to go to Job 38 when I feel like God is small, the way he answers Job. Mm-hmm. You know, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined this measurement? Surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it? Or where were its bases sunk? And who laid its cornerstone? When morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for it just goes on and on about when I made the clouds, this, and I did this, and I did this. Where were you when I did It's like, it just, he names all this stuff that he's created. And it's just kind of a personal thing because he's speaking to a mere human. And it's just uh, cool. So we have this wonderful creator, but instead of worshiping the creator of the heavens, what were the people of the ancient Near East tempted to do? Some passages there help show us what they did. To actually worship the celestial bodies as God, instead of the creator of them. Pretty much. We can do the same thing, though. We can. 
Yeah, worship our homes, our friends, mm -hmm. our anything. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's make images of whatever you yeah. know that yeah. we have to have a certain kind of drapes or carpet or <laughs> you know. I mean, it sounds silly, but it's really it's true. true. I mean, yeah. we can get in our head that it's got to be a certain way when it's all going away. You know, it's really hard to keep that perspective. I, you know, I wrote in general, like, people always have a choice how to respond to God. Mm. As long as we're alive, we have a choice to that. So, you know, they chose to take what they could see and make it their God. Like you were talking, somebody was talking about making, we can love something that isn't really God, making it a God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we take good things that God intended mm -hmm. to be good. Mm -hmm. Like, like I, I know sometimes I make my family a God in mm -hmm. his place yeah. um, because, you know, they, they take a priority in my life that they shouldn't take over him. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he has to remind me, I can't be your God. I have to be your God. So we have to remember the good things that he has placed in our life to just, they just need the place that they're supposed mm -hmm. to have. Okay. Any other thoughts on that one? I was just reading today in Mark 13. Um, the disciples are coming out of the temple, and one of the disciples says to Jesus, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. You know, mm. the temple, mm. you know, shouldn't we really love this place? Mm. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? They will not be left here. One stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Like, boom, get your ass off of this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, in the passage in Romans 1, it, it talks about, you know, we always think of the Middle East, you know, they worship mm -hmm. these idols. Mm -hmm. But then it, it talks about us today where it talks mm -hmm. about they exchanged their bodies, yes. you know. So, you know, here we are worshiping our sexuality and, mm -hmm. you know, raising that to, to a god. Mm -hmm. And so the culture's standard, mm -hmm. it's nothing new under the sun. Mm -hmm. It was the same thing in Romans mm -hmm. as it is today. Just a different God form. Mm -hmm. Okay, so verses two and three day to day pours out speech, night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. So, what do you think is meant by those verses there? Also, once again, thinking about Romans one twenty, and then I also added on Romans two fourteen through sixteen. Um, what do you think the point is that's trying to be made there? Well, to me, it's order. Part of God is orderly. He surprises us. I mean, it's not he's not necessarily predictable, but he created order in the universe. And like when you're talking about the body and of the systems of the body, I mean that that's part of him demonstrating the unity he has in the Trinity, that he has it to work together. That's part of mm. part of his glory. But the consistency of day today night tonight you know it's 
there's mm. a rhythm there mm. that is healthy and to me it shows that it doesn't matter whether it's night or day nature is communicating God's attributes everywhere mm. all the time there's not a place you can go except I guess in a box or something <laughs> can't see his hand and the reason why I also added the Romans 2 one is because it even God even went beyond nature, right? Is what it seems to me from these verses. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. Um, so to me it seems clear from all of scripture that God has given every person a chance to call out to him by nature showing his qualities and by even what's on your own hearts you know what's right and wrong because God has put it on your heart himself according to his scripture not according to me um, that gives every person out there a chance to cry out to God and then what he does with that is his business and you know it's not my I, I don't know how that how that works for the person in you know India somewhere who doesn't hasn't heard of Jesus, but I know God does and He deals with that. Um, so we're left to know that every single person, no matter the language, the the people that they come from, they all have a chance to at least know their God in some way. We know from his word he tells us he desires for all to be saved. Mm -hmm. So if he desires that, he must be giving an opportunity for it. One commentator I read said, God's voice of power and creation prepares the way for his voice of grace mm -hmm. in the gospel. Mm -hmm. When Paul preached to the Gentiles, he started with creation and then moved into the gospel message. That really helped me grasp that passage a little bit better. Okay, I really like this next one. Um, I, did any of you do yeah. what I what I wrote there? I did you? Yes. Yes. I did. Okay, I almost like was like, oh, should I play it? Because I watched it again today, and I started crying because no, I, I mean, because what if you when you read these scriptures right here, and then immediately watch the scene, it's like so much even more powerful. <laughs> but anyway. Okay, so the um, verses that we're looking at is, he says, um, he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man running his course um, with joy. And so when I was thinking about that and like why that description, what it means, um, that's when I was like thinking about that scene. Um, so what do you think? Why? Why would he use those descriptions? the runner and the bridegroom. What do you think the point is there? Well, what I did was I Googled sun, sunrise pictures. And, sorry, even when this is on silent, I still can't help keep it. <laughs> um, and they're beautiful. You know, they're just gorgeous. And another thing to kind of back up with the earlier comment is um, well, you don't need to have words. I mean, words are not enough to explain. It's kind of like taking a picture of a sunset and then trying to show somebody how beautiful it was. It never looks the same. You know, 
figure there's not enough words to to describe some of the beautiful things. And um, so when I, I googled the, the glorious, beautiful sunrise pictures, usually they were the beach or the ocean or whatever, um, and that reminded me of the bridegroom coming out ready to, um, or even the bride. created for us to do that's when we're bringing him the most glory like the sun going across the earth I mean it's doing what it was created to do pouring forth his sunshine on us and the runner who's God God made me fast and he in it I, I bring him pleasure when I run yes you know you could just see it in mm-hmm. but anyways yeah did anyone so. ask to themselves when they You know, like in what what have you done or are doing, and would you know that's bringing God pleasure? Not, I mean, obviously, reading and studying His Word, you know, and and being serious about it is one thing, but kind of ordinary things like running that we wouldn't necessarily associate. Well, that's a godly thing to do, you know, like He was showing us in the movie. But yeah, we sometimes see that in others more than we Sure. I've just observed in my husband that going to the jail and preaching to prisoners mm-hmm. gives him great joy. Mm-hmm. And he was feeling really bad last week. He wasn't sick, just being over 70. <laughs> he thought of not going, but no, I've got to go to my men, you know. And mm-hmm. He went there and they had closed for COVID. But it just oh. gives him so much joy uh-huh. to go there. And it's like it's something God meant for him mm-hmm. to do. Yes, when when you know you're doing what God wants you to do, and you can have the energy to, it's like, I know there were times when I was teaching middle school, you know, everybody thinks you're crazy for teaching middle schoolers, and maybe I was, but there were times like when a student gets something, a student who just couldn't get math, and they ended up excelling, 
you know, at the end, then it's like, God, you, I know I'm glorifying you in doing this. It's not, it's not going to take somebody to heaven, you know, that's, but it, it's just so, I don't know, yes. We can't help but think of Ephesians 2.10, mm. the good work that mm -hmm. God beforehand created that you were to walk in, you know, the good work that you walked in. Mm. Well, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but if you've ever been involved in ministry that, like a certain role that you were doing that you felt like you needed to do, but it really wasn't what mm. you should have been doing, not because yeah. you were sinning, but because it wasn't really what God called you to. You were just trying to help fill a slot, mm. but needed doing, and you realized that it's it's not that you're not pleasing God in it, but it is not what that good work he prepared for you to do. I find that those leave me exhausted, where mm. the things that he calls me to do, I leave it actually invigorated mm -hmm. and yes. full of mm -hmm. joy, life, joy. energy, mm -hmm. all of it, um, mm -hmm. versus exhaustion. Yes. That's such a key. There's no burnout. In his strength. <laughs> yeah. In his strength. <laughs> and not doing all the other stuff that you've added yeah. to what you think he needs to do. Yeah, I think that's a great application, too. My husband always uses the Nehemiah. I am doing a great work. I cannot come down. You know, if you're doing what God... Because, you know, people are always want more, need more. There's always more to be done. But if you're doing what God's called you to do, that's what you're supposed to do not this other stuff. So, you're doing a great work, that's not your call. It's a good boundary verse. He, yes, it is. <laughs> and he uses what, it a lot. Do you know which um, yeah, chapter it's in or anything? It's it's in one of the 12, Nehemiah 12 chapters. <laughs> it was when um, it was in the middle end. When was the, it when the bad guys yes, were trying to Sam get Ballot him? Yes, Sam Ballot was coming. Yeah, yeah, Sam so. Ballot, yeah, that bad guy. <laughs> That was God through creation, and now we move to God through his word, his more direct revelation to us. So how is the word described in these next uh, what, five verses? Yeah. What are some names? First of all, the names he gives for it. So it's interesting. This would definitely be a good five verses, I think, to read in like probably three different um, translations because you yes. can get a much more um, full fullness of what you know. One, their names as well as the attributes. So that would be good. Which verse is attributes? Because that's not on mine. But what else do you have It's it's the question. It's not on board. Yeah, that's just the question. Oh, question okay. nine. So the law of the Lord is perfect, says the uh, ESV's verse. Um, what did you say? You're the attribute of God's law. I mean law. statutes. My NIV said the statutes. Statutes. Trustworthy. Precept. Mine said precepts. Instead of precepts. Oh, precepts was three in mine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
ESV has it as law and testimony and precepts and commandment and fear yeah. and yeah. rules. Yeah. What does NIV have? Uh, for the six the, names. Law, statutes, precepts, commands, fear of the Lord, and ordinances. Of ordinances. ordinances. Did you find it interesting that he called his word the fear of the Lord mm -hmm. yeah. why do you think he did that it's definitely not how we typically use that phrase mm -hmm. right so. the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to do anything else that is what he's told us to do we should fear right. well I, I don't know if you could just take fear you, all, you have to look at the clean because when you think of fear, you know, it's dark, it, it, it's dirty. It's, you know, you think of, not that any of y'all have ever watched a horror flick, but fear, you know, it's nasty, but this fear is clean. I, that stood out to me, pure. When you think of fear, it's not pure, but this reverent, reverential fear is. Mm, yes, I, thought, I saw somewhere another word for that fear was reverence. But, He's speaking about the law, so I mean about the word, excuse mm -hmm. me. You know, so it's hard. it's kind of a different it point is of different, view. Right? Yeah. Just the I, I mean the song for what the law required. Like if you mm -hmm. were to obey the law, then you have fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Right? Deuteronomy four six, keep them and do them for that for that will be your wisdom. And so we, he also tells us, you know, all the attributes of it, like as we were saying, we've already listed some of them, perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, true. Um, and then you could have put all together righteous kind of with that too, because anyways, that, that the last little list might, it'll be interesting how you wrote it down. But, but anyways, what are the benefits? Because he gave us the you know name of it. Just I think he just wanted to make sure we understood. It encompasses everything in this word. Bam! It is good and right and true. Um, and then he gives us benefits for us. So what are some benefits we have from the word of God? From being in the word of God? Revives the soul. Mm -hmm. Making wise the Right, the last one I kind of went, kept going down, and then I put it. It uh, warns, warns, because you know, altogether righteous. Then it seemed like another description of the word. Whereas um, when it goes, it's more. Uh, verse eleven says, "By them your servant is warned." Okay. So I just put that for the last attribute. Um, it doesn't matter. But so looking at this list. Can you think of a time when the Word of God did any one of these things in your own life? It's not one of the questions that was on your list, but when I was um, thinking about it today, I was trying to think about times the Word of God actually 
I've seen these benefits in my own life. Sometimes when we're having a hard time getting to the Word during the day and we make it a point to do it, God's always faithful and He does revive us and you get encouraged and then you want to read more and so I just, I love how He does that. Well, we ask wisdom God. He makes wise the simple. He always answers. When John was dying, I knew it wasn't much longer that he that he had, and I, they were going to be asking me to make decisions. And when you have a partner, you make decisions with for thirty something, forty years, you know. And then you have to make this big decision that was like, I can't do this, God. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. I know you're with me, but I don't know how to make this decision. That were they going to have to take out this device, or you know, really hard things. Mm-hmm. And I knew that John didn't want to be attached to a machine all his life. You know, I mean, he he had been very clear about that. So I went to bed that night in the little hospitality place, um, just so anxious, you know, for what tomorrow would bring. And I woke up about four or five o'clock in a panic attack, you know, that was clearly brought on by that anxiety. And I was like, get up and, you know, God, I'm gonna say, we're gonna do this, you know, and I opened my computer and somebody on the other side of the world had sent me an email during the night. I had asked people to send me scriptures to help me cope, mm-hmm. you know, and that, I've got them all marked in my Bible, that pe- the ones that people sent me. And that person had said, I think it was Psalm 32, eight or 10, I can't remember now. Um, I will counsel you. Mm. I've gotta read it, cause you'll, you'll go, ah. That was God speaking mm. for that moment. Uh, it's Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Mm. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Mm. And I just sat there and I went, I cried, of course. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, you would do it. And he did. Mm. It was just like, how that person knew God God mm. sent that person with that message at the moment I needed it. It was just so powerful. I'll never forget it. I've come back to it a lot of times. Mm. <laughs> Anybody else? It's definitely brought rejoicing to my heart sometimes yes. when I go in feeling not that way at all and then you open the scripture and why so downcast all my soul (laughs) (laughs) you come out to a little dance sometimes (laughs) or even if not physically your heart is rejoicing sometimes what about timothy and hebrews what what further benefits do we get from the word of god that we learn in these um, second timothy three and hebrews four Timothy said that the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And that was very parallel to this passage, I thought, as I was reading that with teaching, reproof, when you think of laws, precepts, statutes, Mm -hmm. 
it was just bam, bam. What about Hebrews 4, 12? Well, I looked at the, the second Timothy verses, kind of the, the outward signs. It was teaching us to 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 do up the good work, you know, to be a better employee, to be a better spouse, to to share the gospel. Whereas the Hebrews was more internal; it it, it cut us, you know, it, it convicts within our heart, you know, the things that we're doing and our intentions. Um, I think a lot of times as Christians we can get pretty good on putting that outward show and we can really look like we're following the word of God and, and outwardly we are, but then God's like, what's your motive? What's your intention? I mean, the word of God really shows us the truth of who we are. It's, it's so powerful. Um, so yeah, so why, I guess... Why is it so important, and what role should it play in our lives? Well, God is truth. His word is truth. And as we know in our world, there is no truth. (laughs) I mean, everybody gets to decide for themselves what's right, and we know that's why we're in the chaos that we're in now. We have to have that foundation to... You know, otherwise we're just stupid little boats just flopping around in the sea. We don't have any way to control ourselves or anything if we don't have a foundation. Those are great Awana verses. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I asked my kids, I said, what does Second Timothy 16? They all know that one. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, the Word of God is like looking in a mirror, except mm. the mirror shows us two things, not just ourselves. It shows us God mm-hmm. in in his perfection and then the mirror shows us how much we don't look that way right mm-hmm. but then it at the same time it transforms us to make us look more and more and more like the reflection of God mm-hmm. so it's doing all those things at the same time it's powerful I gotta read this poem um, it's called when I read the when I read the Bible through it's one that I Memorized as a child. Um, I don't know if I can remember the whole thing, so I've got to read it. But it, I, it came to my mind. Um, it just really emphasizes the importance of the Bible. I suppose I knew my Bible reading piecemeal, hit or miss. Now a bit of John or Matthew. Now a snatch of Genesis. Certain chapters of Isaiah. Certain Psalms. The 23rd. 12th of Romans. 1st of Proverbs. Yes, I thought I knew the word. But I found that thorough reading was a different thing to do, and the way was unfamiliar when I read the Bible through. You who like to play at Bible dip and dabble here and there, just just before you kneel a weary and yawn through a hurried prayer. You who treat the crown of writings as you treat no other book, just a paragraph disjointed, just a crude and patient look. Try a worthier procedure. Try a broad and steady view. You will kneel in very rapture when you read the Bible through. Mm-hmm. And I just can't help but think of this poem and what it's saying in this poem versus reading a daily bread every day. Like, that is a crumb. 
compared to reading the Bible through, like an entire book at a time. It's just so important. So, good place to challenge your women to just get in the word and saturate. And you can have it being played in the background and change the diapers at the same time and fold the laundry at the same time. So there's no excuse. Because it will revive in the soul and in, it'll rejoice the heart. So all of those things. And it's more to be desired it's than yes. gold. Yes. Even much fine gold, sweeter it's than honey. Sweeter drippings from the honeycomb so why what do you think the difference is between someone who thinks that about the god's word um and or versus the person who thinks the requirements are burdensome or oppressive what what's the difference i think the ones who think it's burdensome is more self-centered You'll hear people say, well, I don't have time in my life to do that, or I can't tithe because I don't do this, or I, you know, they have all kinds of excuses, but all the excuses come back to them. So uh, is it more that they're self-centered instead of Christ-centered? Mm -hmm. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any other thoughts? I just felt the key word was grace. Um, you know, going back to the Old Testament and following the law or a legalistic perspective of all these do's and don'ts, you can't go here, you can't wear this, you can't, as opposed to, you know, God's grace, God, you know, through forgiveness, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, well, I'm not saying that right, but you know what I'm trying to right. articulate, not too well, sorry. Well, it's interesting he uses the honey illustration because, you know, you could read about honey you can look at honey, you can touch honey, but you don't know it's sweet until you do what? Taste it. Taste. Taste. And so we can't comprehend the sweetness of God and his word until we've experienced it. Just like we learned earlier, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't you think when you uh, consider it precious, and sweeter than honey, you will apply it to your life mm. as well, along with the hunger for it. When we used to teach, my husband and I would teach um, sixth grade Sunday school for a number of years here. Mm -hmm. And um, at some point during the year, he would always tell the class that we've buried a million dollars in our backyard. And mm -hmm. if you can find it, you know, you're, you're welcome to it. And so, uh, you know, he's like, well, what would you do, you know? And they would be like, I mean, you know, you wouldn't stop at any, you would just keep searching and searching and searching if you knew there was a million dollars buried in the backyard and you could have it, right? And, and his point was always, but the word of God is so much more valuable than that million dollars. And that's how you want to just pour you know, your your heart into that search, this word more than the million dollars in the backyard because it is so much greater, so much more to be desired than gold or money and how many times, you know, people are using the, all their life to pursue things of the world when this is where it's all, it's all, it's all about, it's a gift, not a chore. 
we get to, we don't have to. Mm-hmm. This is that, that, you know, viewing it. But once again, it's also a grace of God that we even have that desire. So mm-hmm. I think we need to pray for the desire yes. and pray for our kids to have the desire yes. and our loved ones to have the desire because that's a gift of God too. Yes. The mystery, right? Yes. Um, Psalm 119 is, well, the Psalm 19 really is just a condensed version of Psalm 119. And at this point, I would say, have the ladies just read through that if they can during this week because it just over and over and over again, I just kept writing all these things about where they're talking about the, the word of the Lord. There's so many more verses about the word of the Lord just in the rest of that psalm. Yeah, when selecting psalms for this study, like that would have been the one I would have gone to yeah, this week, but it's, so it's too much. <laughs> can't do it. So I thought, okay, this is uh, the cliff notes, the cliff notes, right? We can do this. But the one that always jumps out with Psalm 119.11, and you always had your kids memorize that, is I word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I mean, that was a, one of the first verses I ever memorized. The only way I'm not going to sin is if I hide God's word in my heart. Or now I think of it as wallpapering your mind. (laughs) So all I see is the Word of God directing me, but I can kind of muddy it and have other stuff covering the wallpaper. I don't have fresh, fresh wallpaper up all the time. Psalm 119, 105, too. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And when I have not tripped, because of the word, I'm so grateful. When I look back over my life, it's like, and I'm gonna ask the ladies, when has the word of God, I think we've already asked that question, right? When has the word of God just directed you and spared you? But for the grace of God, go I. I, I just so many times, it was a light and a lamp. Yeah, you just praise God. A, a testimony time there maybe. Mm-hmm. So interestingly, after right after, and it mm-hmm. kind of goes with what she's saying here, that he talks about the word of God and how beautiful and glorious it is. The next thing he talks about is his own sins. Mm-hmm. So why do you think this would maybe follow? Well, isn't that what the word does? It gives mm-hmm. us a proper view of God and a mm-hmm. proper view of ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's sort of similar to what happened to Isaiah, right? When he mm-hmm. went to the glory of God, what's the first thing he did? Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. It's like we can't help any time beholding the glory of God. It's that mirror seeing our own sinfulness. I think it's just that humble response to everything he's just thought um, about who God is and what his word is like. Um, so he says, first of all, declare me innocent from hidden faults. What do you think this hidden faults, what's, what's that mean? Are they the battles in the mind? The ones people cannot necessarily see. Or maybe even remember, you know, that they haven't confessed, but they don't remember. My commentary said they were sins committed in ignorance without knowledge. Do 
you you guys feel like you might have blind spots in your life? <laughs> All right. I, I mean, I, I, to me, I feel like, you know, God, like, pinpoints something in my life. And I'm like, okay, through the wording of his word, I'm like, oh, yeah, God, I see it. I'm sorry. And, you know, and then he works on that in my heart. As soon as I've dealt with that, well, there's something else. It, there's that, and I'm like, I didn't even see. I didn't realize how selfish I was. And so it's like, how many times did I sin in my selfishness before he brought that into my knowledge? So when I, when I think about these hidden sins, I think there's so many things because, and he's so, how merciful is it that he doesn't just show us how awful we are all at one time? I mean, we couldn't handle it. And, but he, he, I think he's in his graciousness. I mean, think about yourself when you were first saved. Most, some of you may have done that when you were five, but I, I didn't until I was 19. And praise God, I'm a very different person than I, I was at 20 because he was working, he's been working on me for the last. And the more we get to know him, the more he reveals, which shows us right. how bad we are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so some things that I was doing at 20, I, didn't, I wouldn't have said they were a sin. I didn't realize it mm. at the time. It wasn't that I didn't love God. It's just, it was part of who I was. And God takes time to chip all that junk off of us, right? Yeah. So I think some things are hidden. And we are not in open rebellion against God. We just don't even realize it at the time until God does reveal it to us. I don't know. So that's sort of how I was viewing hidden sins. But I, I like, you know, and I read the same things you guys were saying too, things that were done in ignorance. We didn't even, I guess that's the same thing. Um, are not remembered when you go to him. I don't know. Um, Psalm 139, and 24. Search me, O oh God, and know me, my heart, and try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous or wicked way mm-hmm. in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, he says that again there. Mm-hmm. So. And Jeremiah reminds us that our hearts are deceitful. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we can deceive. We can be deceived by our own mm-hmm. our own selves. It's hard to be honest with ourselves, you know, like, wants to go, I'm a jerk about that, you know. So how are his requests different for those two types? So are the hidden sin versus the presumptuous sin? Why, how are they different and why do you think that might be so? Well, what is a presumptuous sin? I guess we should start from that point. What's what if we have these hidden sins? What's a presumptuous sin? Oh, no, false sin. Yeah, I think you know the open rebellion. You know what you are doing is wrong, and I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, so that's the presumptuous sin. What? How does he request different? How's the request different from those two? I discussed this with my husband. But willful sin start in our minds. It's interesting, he says, declare me innocent from what I've already done, my already hidden faults, you know, cleanse me, acquit me, hold me guiltless. But for the the proud, arrogant, he says, keep back or restrain reflexively. You know, I think of when you're 
that kid's running out and you just that that reflex do that to me so that I don't 